Hi, this is John Hartra, and welcome to episode 10 of Keep On Grooving. With the original albums, including Bands Gypsies, all re-released, as well as a version of the fourth album, a new best of, a catch-all compilation, and revised versions of some of the previous releases, all hitting the shelves in a matter of a few years, it finally be time for that career-spanning retrospective. And in this case, Jimmy would get three cracks at it over the next few years, all focusing on different aspects of his career. Episode 10, The Experience Hendrix Era, 2000 to 2001 and 2003. As I mentioned a few episodes back, the first wave of box sets was from around 1988 through 1996, with Bill Levinson at MCA leading the way with Eric Clapton's Crossroads and Allman Brothers' Dreams among the first big sets of their kind. Soon the label went through its extensive catalog and began releasing two, three, and four disc sets of bands both famous and obscure. They also began an extensive reissue program of the Chess family of labels. So by the turn of the century, Jimmy was well behind schedule. There are two ways to do a box set. One is to do a retrospective with the best of the previously released material, along with a bunch of rare and unreleased songs and tracks to go along with it. The other was to go full-on, rare and unreleased, top to bottom. Thankfully, that's generally the direction Experience Hendrix went for their box, which came out right around the 30th anniversary of Jimmy's death. And appropriately enough, the first issue was covered in purple fabric, hence its nickname, The Purple Box. But the official name of it is the Jimi Hendrix Experience. The box starts off with an early mix of Purple Haze before a lot of the overdubs took place later at Olympic. It was followed by two songs from the Experience's first concert at the Paris Olympia in October 1966, Killing Floor, yes, it went back that far, and Hey Joe. The band performed a third song, but it appears it either wasn't recorded or has been lost. Next is an earlier mix for Foxy Lady, followed by a stereo mix of Highway Child, newly done in like 2000, not a vintage mix from 1967 by Chaz and Jimmy, as well as the first take of Hey Joe, where Jimmy can't believe how bad his voice sounds and has to stop. An unreleased track called Title Number 3 is up next. Nothing was ever done with this one, but Title 4 did turn into something. We're just not going to get to that one until the next box set like 10 years on. Now, the next thing they included was a mistake, in my opinion. They did the recording session for Third Stone from the Sun with Jimmy vocal at proper speed and a few great lines in there, extra that they didn't use in the song. Sounds like a lie to me. Now, all that's great. That part runs about two and a half minutes. But then we went ahead and included the full six minutes and 45 seconds of the original recording. To me, that's six minutes and 45 seconds of wasted space that could have been used for one or two more unreleased songs. Next is the instrumental take of Rock Me Baby, which would later go on to become Lover Man, the first demo of Burning the Midnight Lamp on harpsichord, and the long-awaited release of Taking Care of No Business. 
A nice surprise was the full six-minute version of If Six Was Nine. This must have been the version they did the mix off of when the first side of Axis had to be redone in one night. I'll get to that full story um, when we do Axis in a later episode. Now, this version is mono only, but at this point, you take what you can get. Disc 1 ends with Rock Me Baby and Like a Rolling Stone from Monterey, newly remixed by Eddie Kramer, which must mean Eddie redid the entire show, and we'd find out he did, eventually. Disc 2 starts with two songs from the 1967 Stockholm concert from Stages, Sgt. Pepper's and Burning of the Midnight Lamp. The instrumental demo for Little Wing, the actual Little Wing that we all know, is up next, followed by a phase-drenched alternate mix of Little Miss Lover. Two songs from the next appearance at the Paris Olympia in October 1967 follow, The Wind Cries Mary and Catfish Blues, which fades out supposedly due to some tape issues. I'll actually sum up that part a little bit more when we do the uh, Dagger episode. The full backing track take of Bold as Love is next, it's seven minutes long because there's no phase shifting into the end of the song, and that part's at regular speed instead of sped up. Now, remember that demo of Angel with the click track from South Saturn Delta that had to be faded in since the tape was damaged? Well, to paraphrase John Cleese, it got better and is included here in full. For some reason, they decided to include Fire from Clark University, which was the second Dagger release. I'll talk about those probably next episode because the most interesting things came out like 2000 and later. Like Third Stone, it's frankly a waste of space that could have been used for something else. Next up is the Mitch Mitchell dub version of Somewhere. You can hear why they left it off. The Electric Ladyland from Loose Ends, an alternate mix of Gypsy Eyes, and the demo of Room Full of Mirrors with Paul Caruso on harmonica. We then jump to the TTG sessions for the return of Gloria into print. This tube finishes up with a couple from 1969. The first is It's Too Bad, a song that sounds like a redo of Voodoo Child, complete with organ, but the lyrics are far more personal about his relationship with his brother Leon, who seemingly took after their mother and her unfortunate qualities. The last track is the studio version of Star Spangled Banner from Rainbow Bridge. This three starts off with the original take of the April 1969 version of Stone Free, or Stone Free again, the one that was used on Crash Landing. Next up are some Olympic studio rehearsal recordings, Spanish Castle Magic and Hear My Train of Common from February, and an extended room full of mirrors from around the time of the recording of Crash Landing in April 1969. I think it was after Stone Free. Most of the rest of the disc is dedicated to songs meant for the 1969 live album. I Don't Live Today from the LA Forum, Red House and Purple Haze from San Diego, and Little Wing and Voodoo Child from the correctly noted Royal Albert Hall. Disc 3 ends with the Woodstock Band's studio version of Isabella. The final disc gives us a good helping of the band of gypsies in the studio. We get the untouched version of Message to Love, complete with Buddy's drumming out ending and putting down his sticks on the snare. It also has that jammed in solo, but this would not be the last time we see this track revisited. 
This is followed by the Buddy Miles drummed version of Earth Blues, complete with the Ronettes. Rest in peace, Ronnie. You can hear the mixing differences and missing guitar overdubs compared to the Rainbow Bridge version. It also fades out about 12 seconds sooner. Now, this is actually a mix from August 22nd when he did a lot of the mixing for the next album. So was he going to go with this version over the one with Mitch? Or had the Mitch version even happened yet? Hmm. A loose version of Astro Man and a jam called Country Blues follow. A demo of Freedom recorded right after Mitch returned to the fold is next from, I think, March. Then come the three Berkeley songs from In the West. Almost. We get Johnny B. Good, but then Loverman is the studio version from Electric Lady Studios with the Flight of the Bumblebee and all. Then the Blue Suede Shoes from the rehearsals for uh, the Berkeley concerts is next. Now, next up is an interesting version of Cherokee Mist. It starts out with the melody from the Electric Ladyman recording, but then after about two minutes, shifts into a part of In From The Storm, which really hadn't come together yet. It then segues into something resembling Paley Gap. Once again, hat tip to the guys over at the Steve Hoffman Wars for pointing this out. Then it finishes up with another part from In From The Storm. Jimmy's mix of Come Down Hard On Me follows... It sounds almost exactly like the one on Loose Ends, except it's longer by about 20 seconds. We then get our first release of anything from the actual Rainbow Bridge soundtrack, the medley of Hey Baby and In From The Storm that appears in the film. Alternate mixes of Easy Rider and Nightbird Flying appear next, followed by two newly mixed tracks from Isle of Wight, Along the Watchtower, and the short version of In From The Storm. The set ends with one of the last recordings Jimmy ever did at Electric Lady, a number called Slow Blues that runs out of tape after about a minute 45. The set has been reissued twice, once in 2005 with a DVD from Martin Scorsese's Blues series on PBS. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And the second in 2013 from Sony with four additional tracks. At the end of disc one, they added the original mono mix of The Stars of Play with Laughing Sam's Dice from a not very good tape. Could use a little work. And a TV appearance where the band was supposed to play Burning the Midnight Lamp. But another song started playing and Jimmy laughed and said, I don't know the words to that one. Then they fixed it and the real backing track started. On disc two, the original version of Peace in Mississippi, which had been released as a B-side in 2010, was added right after Gloria. Finally, this three was amended with a version of Like a Rolling Stone from Winterland that was not on the 2011 box set, making all three versions of that song performed during the run available. Voodoo Child, the Jimi Hendrix Collection. Less than a year later, Experience Hendrix followed the box set up with a two-disc collection meant to act as kind of a Jimi sampler. Disc 1 contains studio material, while Disc 2 has live tracks. For the studio disc, it had a lot of what should be expected, but some surprises. It has the first four UK singles, as well as Fire and Are You Experience from the first album sessions. They also chose to include the stereo version of Highway Child from the box set. Axis Boulders Love's lone representative is, of course, Little Wing, followed by the alternate All Along the Watchtower from South Saturday Delta, Crosstown Traffic, and Voodoo Child. B-5 
the Olympic Studio version of Spanish Castle Magic, and the April 1969 version of Stone Free, both from the box set, are next, followed by the original single mixes of Isabella and Stepping Stone. Well, according to those who actually have that original single, they're not precisely the original single mixes, but they're close. They have Buddy on drums, and they don't have the later guitar overdubs. That's close enough for me. Supposedly, there's like some phasing differences. Like, I don't know. We'll just have to just take it for what it is. The disc ends with Angel, Dolly Dagger, and Hey Baby. It's not a replacement for Smash Hits or the Experience Hendrix CD from a few years earlier, but it's its own thing. The live disc is kind of all over the place. Some people refer to it as sort of like a companion disc to Jimi Hendrix concerts. I guess if you want to look at it that way. It starts off with Fire and Hey Joe from the Live at Winterland disc, which were actually both unavailable at that point. I Don't Live Today from Los Angeles and Here My Train to Coming from Berkeley were next, followed by the debut of Foxy Lady from the Rainbow Bridge soundtrack. In my opinion, probably the best live version he ever did of that song. The Machine Gun from the second Band of Gypsies show on January 1st, and Johnny B. Good follow, as well as the Red House from the New York Pop Festival from Jimi Hendrix Concerts, and that's followed by Freedom from the Isle of Wight. The disc finishes up with Purple Haze from San Diego, and the Star Spangled Banner, and Wild Thing, you know where they came from. All the songs that had been previously released were newly mixed, so this implied they would be released on some later collection. In some cases they were, in others, we're still waiting. I have a little bit of a soft spot when it comes to Voodoo Child because this is the one Jimi Hendrix album that I actually have autographed. I have a signatures on it from Eddie and Billy. They were doing a signing at the great late lamented Virgin record store in 2001. And I stopped by there after work and got a chance to talk to them. So they both signed both sides of the, uh, of the CD. And I got Eddie to give out a little information, a little, a uh, little bit of news about a future release one that wouldn't happen for another 17 years. So I will tell that whole story when we get to that particular album. A few years later, MCA put out the singles collection, a 10-disc set that's a little less impressive than it sounds. It collected 10 singles, each on their own disc, two songs each, with the exception of Voodoo Child, which had three songs on it, and the Christmas single, which has technically four songs, but three of them are in a medley. Not essential, but nice to have. Supposedly, one of them may have a mix that's not available elsewhere. That's a deep dive for, for diehards like me. I'm also not really going to get into a full discussion of a set from Charlie Records in England that was out in 2002 that released just about everything you could from the Royal Albert Hall concert. Now, Charlie's a legitimate label. I've got loads of releases from them from their blues back catalog. For a while, they were the only people who had the three Howlin' Wolf tracks from London Revisited in digital form until MCA fixed it on the deluxe issue of the London Sessions. I wish they'd have 
muddy songs out there too, but not yet. Now I've heard the Charlie set and I have it digitally, but to me it's still on the level of the Ember albums back in the 70s and ended up in the CD discount bins in the 80s. It's not official, you know, yet. We're still waiting and hoping. Now, if you want a great breakdown of it, I'll refer you to Frank Moriarty's Modern Listener's Guide to Jimi Hendrix, available on Amazon and his own site. It's highly recommended. If you like the way I look at things, Frank has kind of a similar way of looking at it. Uh, he just, his book is arranged chronologically from beginning to end. So he goes over each album in the time period they were recorded. Martin Scorsese presents the blues. I'll tack this one onto this episode since it's sort of a retrospective. Martin Scorsese not only has ties to New York and Bobby De Niro, he's also got a lot of music in his background. From his days as an assistant editor on Woodstock through the band's last waltz and up to the current day with his work with Bob Dylan and Rolling Stones, Marty loves his music. In 2003, Scorsese did a documentary series on PBS about the evolution of the blues. And, of course, Jimmy got a decent segment on the show running around 15-20 minutes. As part of the whole series, a string of CDs were released highlighting the artists discussed on the show. Jimmy's CD had 10 tracks on it and included The Red House from the U.S. Smash Hits, The Long Voodoo Child and Come On from Electric Ladyland, and My Friend from Cry of Love. It also had some newer released material like Country Blues, the Olympic rehearsal version of Hear My Train of Common, It's Too Bad, and Midnight Lightning from South Saturn Delta. Finally, it had two previously unreleased tracks from March of 1969, Georgia Blues with his old Curtis Knight bandmate Lonnie Youngblood and the instrumental Blue Window with the Buddy Miles Express. The 10 tracks fill up 75 minutes, so you get your money's worth. It's not the best of all his blues work, why they still didn't go use Lord to sing the blues for me and you, I don't know. But the inclusion of the two unreleased tracks made it a must-buy. I don't think any of the other artists included in the series had any new tracks on their releases. A little inside baseball here. I'm going to start something here I originally didn't intend on doing until 2010, and that's noting which tracks from the newer album adds to Jimmy's legacy in a significant way. So going back to First Rays, all that's previously released, so there's nothing new there. South Saturn Delta gives us the full title track, not the one edited from, uh, from Lifelines. A version of Midnight Lightning that doesn't have studio musicians on it, and I guess by default, Church's Escape, since Blue Sense isn't out there anymore. Power of Soul was good for the time, but it would end up being supplanted. BBC Sessions, well, it's good to get the two missing songs from Radio 1, but overall not completely essential. Live at the Fillmore gives us a stone-free live that's killer. Hear My Train of Common that almost made the band a Jesus album. And a full burning desire that Jimmy never got to do in the studio, so... That was good. Those were three good additions there. But again, this release would end up being supplanted. From Woodstock, we'd already practically had the full end medley, so that's like the key thing from Woodstock. So 
nothing really added here. From the purple box, taking care of no business, that's a no-brainer. Somewhere, though, it could have been better, and it kind of does get supplanted because somewhere becomes the number one single down the line. We'll get there. Uh, it's too bad. Message of love. Again, this would be supplanted later. And the studio stuff from Electric Lady, particularly Loverman, Come Down Hard on Me, and Cherokee Mist. And Voodoo Child has the Stepping Stone Isabella singles. We'll just go with it for there. And Foxy Lady Live, like I said, I can consider it to be probably the best version of it. So that would have made something cool for a live album. And Scorsese has those two extra tracks, but like I said, I really wouldn't call them essentials. Had they put on Lorda Sing the Blues, now that would have been essential. So on the one hand, it was great to get a lot of new material out. On the other hand, you had to get a four-disc box set, a two-disc set, and a single disc to get all this new stuff. And that's not counting all the other material that was coming out thanks to Experience Hendrix setting up their own bootleg label. Next time, Experience Hendrix gets into the bootleg business and ends up putting out some of the most consequential releases of Jimmy's studio work in a long time. That's next time on Keep On Groovin'. You may have heard me mention my best friend Ray, the one who didn't used to believe me when I point out somebody was probably inspired by Jimmy. Well, if Darren is responsible for getting me into Hendrix, Ray is responsible for getting me into rock music at all. So this episode is a present to him for his 55th birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. I'm John Harcher. Please remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you're hearing this. Thanks for listening and see you next time.